0: Section 10 of A Flurry in Diamonds by Amos Chiptree. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. Chapter 13. For the next two or three days, nothing of importance pertaining to the mystery occurred, and in the meantime, having recovered from my excitement over the affair, I had settled down to business as usual in my leisure hours i carefully went over all the details of the case striving to discover some clue upon which to establish a plausible theory which should confirm my belief in pierre's innocence in his message which he left for kate you will remember that he said if fred calls before you see or hear from me you may show him this perhaps he will understand it better than you or father but as yet i had been unable to comprehend his meaning His reference to my calling, I thought, applied to my promise to call or send for the diamonds, and the following words implied that, if I came in person, he desired me to know that they were in his possession. But how was I to understand his actions any better than his father or sister? I turned the question over and over in my mind, and could find no satisfactory answer to it. The only idea which I could get was one that had at first impressed itself upon me, but which I was obliged to dismiss at once this was that taking the jewels from their place of concealment as a joke upon his father he had intended to return them to me at the store but fearing that i might call for them before going down in the morning he had left instructions with kate for her to show me the card when i would at once understand his intentions but at the time kate showed me the card i had ample reasons to know that the diamonds had not been so returned although i had been away from the store during most of the day i knew that if pierre had left them there during my absence he would probably have left instructions with some person to mention the fact to me on my return i had received no such information as i certainly should have whether he so instructed the clerks or not in a matter of so much importance to the house as the possession of over seven thousand dollars worth of jewelry true i had not asked any questions of the clerks bearing upon the case as i wished to avoid the necessity of explaining matters but i knew well enough that none of them had received the diamonds nor knew anything of them to further confirm my belief in this respect i had from time to time very carefully but in an indifferent manner gone over our entire stock of diamond jewelry and none of the missing earrings were there neither did they appear among the sales recorded since i took them away nor upon any memorandum of goods in the possession of our outside salesman Looking over Father's desk, I could find no record of them having been returned to him during my absence, as I had thought possibly they might have been. In fact, I made every possible search for them, or for some trace of them, and was finally, firmly convinced that they had never come into the store after I took them away. No, I did not understand Pierre's message any better than Kate or her father, nor could I see through Pierre's motive in taking them then there remained the other fact of his strange absence without accounting to his father for the money known to have been in his possession. Altogether, I remained as much mystified as ever. I had called at Mr. Lindley's several times, as promised, but learned nothing new connected with the affair. The old gentleman was still very bitter against Pierre, and, as he had regained his composure after the excitement of his discoveries, had settled down into a condition of morbidly brooding over his disappointments and disgrace kate in sympathy for her father's sufferings and in her own unsettled state produced by pierre's continued absence was showing the effects of this strain upon her though she was endeavoring to cheer her father with assurances of her perfect confidence in pierre and her belief that before long they would be convinced of his entire innocence i accepted an invitation to dine with them on saturday evening when i should meet miss hartwell there were to be no other guests as of course in their present uncertain state of mind the presence of such would be embarrassing i arrived at the house in good season and found miss hartwell looking at her best and in her usual good spirits kate seeming to reflect something of her friend's lively nature was like herself again and i could already see evidences of the good effect which grace's visit was having upon her i was very warmly greeted by both of them and no allusion was made to pierre or his absence by any of us either before going out to dinner or while at table the dinner itself was a fair example of kate's good taste in the selection of the viands and in the furnishings and arrangement of the table and of the skill of her veteran cook in the preparation of the savory dishes it passed off pleasantly enough although it was plain to me that upon the others as well as myself pierre's absence had a depressing effect we needed him in his place at the board to complete our little party. We missed his witty and entertaining talk, his lively rehearsals of the doings and sayings of the day, and the amusing little passages at arms between him and Miss Hartwell, which were wont to keep us all in good humor. Miss Hartwell tried to make the best of the situation, however, and, taking my cue from her, together we succeeded in restoring even Mr. Linley to himself again for the time. After dinner, I was alone in the drawing-room for a short time with Miss Hartwell, Kate having left us to give some instructions about the house and Mr. Lindley not having rejoined us yet. As soon as Kate had gone out, Miss Hartwell came over where I was sitting and, taking a seat near me, said in a rather low voice, Mr. Hopkins, I have been longing for hours for this chance to talk with you. Knowing well enough what was coming, I said nothing in reply, merely bowing my assent. I cannot believe she continued very earnestly that like mr lindley you have lost your senses over this affair of pierre's or that like dear kate you are in such a confusion of doubts and hopes that you have failed to employ your reason to assist you in clearing up the mystery as they term it i have a high opinion of your practical good sense and cannot yet believe but that you must see that any suspicion against pierre's honesty is entirely groundless i thank you miss hartwell more for your compliments to my good sense as you call it than for your evident confidence in my ability to account for pierre's peculiar actions i may as well acknowledge to you at once that i am as much in the dark in this respect as either mr lindley or his daughter do you mean to tell me sir that in your long intimacy with pierre you have not learned him well enough to be able to account for his motives in anything he might do or at least to know that there must be reasons for any act of his which should preclude any thought of dishonor in the smallest degree as applied to him by jove i thought as i saw the effect of the deep feelings which were stirring her her flashing eyes and heaving bosom and noted the rising tone of her voice as she proceeded here is a champion for a man to have and here also is an indication of a deeper interest in her brother than kate has acknowledged or perhaps foreseen her friend to possess your firm confidence in pierre's integrity does you credit miss hartwell and to no one could it be more gratifying than to me his closest friend i replied but while i can assure you of my unbroken faith in him i must plead guilty to an utter ignorance of his motives in absenting himself at this time and to the perplexity in which I find myself when I try to account for the circumstances which immediately preceded his sudden departure. I presume you to be acquainted with all the various incidents connected with this strange affair. Your words not only express your perfect faith in Pierre, but also lead me to think that you may be able to suggest some explanation of his actions, which has not occurred to any of us here. It is possible that, with your help we may accomplish something in the way of clearing up the mystery i am ready and anxious to do anything in my power and shall be pleased to hear from you any suggestions you may have to make she hesitated a moment before she answered my faith in pierre is strong enough without requiring proofs of his honesty when he returns as i am confident he will before long we shall learn from him the reasons for his absence which we shall find to be not at all compromising to his honour and shall also have satisfactorily explained to us the mysterious disappearance of your diamonds and mr lindley's money but like the rest of you i am impatient of delay and disposed to find a way out of this perplexing jumble as soon as possible it is my first experience in this line and i don't know as i can be of any service to you but when i learn just what you have done in the way of investigation Perhaps I may think of something which you may have overlooked and which may be worth following up. As I had not done much towards investigating matters since the diamonds had been traced to Pierre, it did not take long for me to acquaint her with my doings. While I was speaking, Kate came in and listened with interest to what I said, although she learned nothing which I had not previously told her. As I finished, Miss Hartwell said reflectively, then you are sure mr hopkins that the diamonds are not now nor have not been at your store since you took them away as sure as i well could be i replied i have taken every measure to assure myself of that fact jewelry of that kind is carefully guarded by us and a careful record kept of it yet i see no other construction to be put upon pierre's reference to you in his message than that he should return them to you or at least to the store she said That was your reading of it, too, I believe. It certainly was, I replied, though at the time I read it, I knew well enough that he had not so returned them. What did Pierre mean by saying that I should never see the diamonds again, and by his reference to my having had my pick out of them? asked Kate, turning to Miss Hartwell. Just nothing but nonsense, my dear, she replied, to have a little fun at your expense. If Pierre had really started out to make a thief of himself he would never have left that message for you at all. Don't you see, Kate, that if you had found the card at once, or even had noticed the writing upon it when you did find it, you would have had time enough to have caught your brother before he left his office? As he had every reason to suppose that you would read the message within a short time after he left the house, about as foolish a move as he could have made in starting on his new career would have been to leave that card behind him and then proceed leisurely about his business for the greater part of the day have you thought of this yourself mr hopkins i was obliged to confess that i had not and acknowledged that it was a good point in pierre's favor but as i never had proceeded in the case with any idea of his having taken the diamonds except in sport i had attached no importance to the message beyond its reference to myself if the police officer had seen the safe opened she continued it is my opinion that the mystery concerning the diamonds would have been dispelled very soon perhaps your father made a mistake kate in dismissing him as he did instead of informing him of winnie's statement and showing him pierre's message what is your opinion of it mr hopkins since getting more light on pierre's actions i cannot see that sloane could have been of service to us considering that he could not have learned of the new developments of the case until several hours after pierre's departure i replied i think that mr Linley's objection to have even sloane know of the evidence against his son was justifiable and highly praiseworthy considering the fact that he believed then and is still confirmed in his belief in pierre's guilt well i admit that it showed a nice sense of honor towards his son for him to decline to employ the officer to follow him up although he believed him to have betrayed and robbed him differing with him very materially in opinion as to pierre's guilt i also think that perhaps he was mistaken in his supposed charity and allowed his feelings to overcome his judgment when he dismissed the officer in what way grace you surely would not have had him put the officer on pierre's track and thus add another disgrace to this unfortunate affair and kate looked horrified at the idea i am not so sure my dear but that the proper thing to have done was to have run pierre down with the police in a quiet way and thus have reached the bottom of this affair at once she replied confidently For myself, I should be willing to risk any disgrace which would follow such a course. But, judging from the poor figure that your detective cut in his investigations here, perhaps he could not have succeeded in finding Pierre. I don't know anything about such things, but it appears to me that, if this Mr. Sloane is justly entitled to the reputation which you say he bears as a skilled detective, he would feel not a little chagrin if he should learn how differently this matter has resulted from what he predicted as the probable result of his efforts. If he should see, as I think I can, that the whole affair turned upon his neglect to have the safe opened in his presence, he would probably feel that the fee which he had received for his services was somewhat gratuitous. At all events, it appears to me that, in justice to Winnie, he should know of the change in events here, whether he is employed further or not it might not be necessary to tell him anything about the missing money and mr lindley's suspicions concerning that although as we do not share those suspicions we could not object to his knowing everything that we do in the case mr lindley may decline taking such action but i have hopes that possibly we might talk him over i do not offer this as advice to you but simply make the suggestion as something better at least than the inaction under which at present the case lies and, for the past four days, has been allowed to rest. You may think it worth considering, at any rate. There appeared much good sense in her ideas, and, for myself, I admitted the force of her remarks. I told her that it had been intended all along that, when the affair was satisfactorily settled, the police officials should be informed of the true facts, in justice to Winnie and her brother, that, while I had no objections to again call Sloane into the case, I feared that we should meet with strong opposition from Mr. Lindley in that direction. Still, we might explain matters to him and possibly secure his assent to the plan. Kate did not interpose any further objections after hearing Miss Hartwell's sensible reasoning against her first opposition. I will agree to anything which promises to cast any light on this present gloom in which we are groping, she said. And really, Grace, I believe that, from your view of it, "'Possibly the police may be of some service to us. "'I will send for Papa, and perhaps, when he hears your suggestions, "'he will agree to the proposition.' "'Mr. Linley came in presently in answer to her summons, "'and, after some general conversation, Kate opened the subject to him. "'To my surprise, he did not express any strong disapproval of the plan, "'and, after Miss Hartwell had repeated her views as expressed to us, "'he turned to me, saying, "'Really, Fred?' "'I don't see any objections to calling again upon your friend Sloane, excepting that it is hard for me to think of putting the hounds upon the track of my own son. "'It must be understood, however, that this pursuit is undertaken not to arrest and punish Pierre, "'but to induce him to return the stolen property and to come home again "'to ask the pardon of those whom he has so basely betrayed.' "'Oh, Papa,' interrupted Kate, "'say rather, as we do.' that we seek him in perfect confidence of his innocence and of his ignorance of the distress which his absence is causing us that he may hasten back to explain whatever we do not understand of this mysterious matter and to receive our earnest apologies for ever having doubted his perfect honor i wish i could and with truth my darling but i cannot yet see any cause for changing my opinion but rather as the days roll by without seeing or hearing from him I am more and more convinced of the correctness of my views regarding him. It is creditable in you, my dear, that with all the evidence of his guilt before you, you can still retain your faith in him. But I pity you, Kate, in anticipation of the disappointment you will experience when you know the whole truth, as before long you must. And Mr. Lindley, embracing her, pressed his lips to her forehead. "'Papa,' she said, as she returned his caresses, it grieves me to hear you talk so i am sure you will find that you have wrongly accused pierre and that you will be the one most ready to acknowledge your error towards him when the proper time comes will he not grace i trust so kate replied miss hartwell and the last to believe that he ever could have harboured a thought against him when he realizes the misleading nature of his suspicions i am pleased grace remarked mr lindley at these expressions of your faith in my son in view of his continued absence under such compromising circumstances and if it were possible for anything short of positive knowledge of his innocence to relieve my mind of these awful suspicions against him your championship of him would go a great way with me it is noble of you and i am most grateful to you for it i wish that i could share your feelings of confidence that pierre will come out from under this cloud his character cleared, and his honor unimpeached, that I might have in anticipation the pleasure of congratulating him upon the possession of so devoted and enthusiastic a friend as yourself. But, Grace, I fear you are destined to a disappointment in your hopes of him. I can see no break in the cloud. It is all, all dark to me. "'It may be just at present, Mr. Lindley,' she replied, "'but as the darkest hour is just before the dawn,' So, in this case, while we are yet groping around in apparent gloom, we may anticipate the light which will surely come and dispel whatever doubts and fears we may have. Cheer up, sir, and try to believe that behind the cloud which you see the sun's still shining, as to me it has never ceased to shine. Let us look at the facts in the case, now that we are together, and see if we may not clear away some of the mist which obscures it. Mr. Hopkins, let me ask you as the friend and confidant of pierre if you ever knew him to do anything which might in the smallest degree be considered dishonorable whether in your long intimacy with him you can recall any act on his part which would be considered among gentlemen as crooked that may not be a nice word for me to use but it has the advantage of being comprehensive i think i may truly say miss hartwell i responded warmly that previous to this present complication of events, I never saw nor heard of anything as connected with Pierre, which could in any way be construed as damaging to his well-known character for honesty and business integrity. He has the reputation among his associates at the clubs and in society of being a moral, high-toned man, and one against whom no person would dare to whisper a suspicion with regard to his business dealings. No man stands higher in the estimation of his fellows, and he has always fully deserved their confidence. He is, in short, a gentleman. You certainly give him a good name, Mr. Hopkins. Now, she continued, can you imagine any cause which might arise for a gentleman of his standing, with an ample allowance of means at his command for any ordinary uses, with a fairly growing practice promising him future prominence in his profession, and a probable fortune? does any reason suggest itself to you, I ask, why a man in this enviable position should steal something less than twenty thousand dollars in money and diamonds, belonging jointly to his father and his best friend, abandon his home and profession, and go out into the world with only the proceeds of his crime in exchange for the loss of his reputation, his friends, his prospective fortune, and everything which would naturally tend to his happiness in life. To wander about alone, in disguise perhaps of name and person fearing constantly that he might meet some of his old acquaintances and if he should be obliged to shun them suspicions of strangers whom he imagines to be officers of the law in pursuit of him have i overdrawn the picture not at all miss hartwell i replied captivated by her enthusiasm as shown in her face which fairly glowed with excitement as she concluded and i thoroughly agree with you that no man in his right mind could be expected to take a step which promised so little in exchange for so much. The only cause which would ever drive Pierre into so ridiculous a position would be the losing of his wits, and as we have every evidence that he was in possession of all his faculties up to the time of his going away, why, we must, I think, be convinced that your very graphic picture will not apply to him. After a short interval, she said, another thing just here occurs to me is in some way connected with pierre's absence i refer to that affair of the note which pierre endorsed for his friend clark do you remember when that note will be payable mr lindley i do not he replied in fact i am not certain that pierre named the date but my inference from his statement concerning it was that it would come due in about ten days from that time which would bring it somewhere about the middle of the month He spoke to me about it on Monday evening, which was the 3rd, and 10 days from that time would be the 13th. Let's see, today is Saturday the 8th, and next Thursday will be the 13th. I'm not far out in my calculations, I think, as to the maturity of the note, in which case it will be due some day in the latter part of next week. "'You are acquainted with this Mr. Clark, I believe?' she resumed, turning to me. "'Very well,' I answered, although not as intimately as Pierre.' who acts as attorney for him, I think. Clark is a stockbroker, doing a moderate business, is a member of the same club as Pierre and myself, and, so far as I know, stands very well in business and social circles. He is a very clever fellow, and he and Pierre have, lately, taken a mutual liking for each other, which has developed into quite an intimacy between them. He throws considerable business in Pierre's way, which, fact, I imagine, accounts for the latter feeling some obligation to accommodate him by endorsing the note very likely said miss hartwell complacently and also quite commendable on pierre's part especially as he had no reason to doubt the statement of his friend concerning his ability to pay it do you know anything of mr clark's circumstances not especially although he is generally understood to be making money mr linley can probably enlighten you some in that way young clark said mr linley has lately come into considerable property from his father's estate, although his affairs are still in an unsettled condition. Much of the property consists of uncleared lands and other real estate holdings, prospectively valuable, but not immediately available. It was concerning the sale of some of these lands to which Pierre referred in his conversation about the note, a delay in the transfer of which was the cause of Clark's embarrassment at the time. "'Have you seen this Mr. Clark lately?' Miss Hartwell asked, turning again to me not within a week or so as i remember i replied but that is nothing unusual perhaps as he does not come in my way excepting occasionally at the club i have spent very little time there during the past week and am quite sure that i have not met him in my visits but why do you ask i inquired as i could imagine no relation of her question to the subject in hand did it never occur to you that possibly this mr clark might be able to throw some light upon the cause of pierre's absence never until now miss hartwell i replied and even now i do not clearly see why he should be able to do so but your question has aroused within me a suspicion that mr clark might possibly in some way be of service to us i wonder i had not thought of this before and must credit you as shown in this as well as in several other instances with having a clearer head for this business than i can rightfully claim you must remember mr hopkins she responded amiably That i have only come into possession of the facts in this case after you and others have exhausted every theory which naturally suggested itself to you in explanation of the mystery surrounding the affair that i have the benefit of your labors in connection with those of the officer in following up whatever clues appeared and that consequently i have not participated in your excitement and disappointments therefore i see the necessity of beginning upon an entirely new course of inquiry and naturally suggest some points that in your previous efforts were overlooked as i doubtless should have neglected them as having no bearing upon the investigation at that time of their present value i cannot of course know any more than you but think that they are worth considering i believe it is decided that you are to call upon the police again for assistance although it was not settled how much you were to tell them Suppose you decide that question among you, and then you will be ready to submit matters to the officer as soon as you may choose to do so. After a short discussion, it was decided that, for the present, no mention was to be made to the police of the loss of the money, and I was authorized to see Sloane at his office on the next day, which was Sunday, post him on the new turn of affairs, and get him at work as soon as possible. Before leaving, I learned that Mr. Linley had had several interviews with Mr. Blakely, pierre's partner but had learned nothing from him as to pierre's whereabouts nor the cause of his absence which seemed as perplexing to mr blakely as to us he was firm in his advocacy of pierre's uprightness however and though he had not succeeded in securing mr lindley's approval of his views had evidently confirmed his friendly regard for him in thus defending his son against his own determined condemnation of him blakely is like the rest of you he said doggedly He makes his wish a father to his thoughts, and, without any justification, beyond his own blind confidence in Pierre for what he has been, he fails to see, in his recent actions, any cause for mistrust in him. Blakely is generally very clear-headed, but in this instance I fear he is not to be relied upon, shows more sentiment than logic, more the feeling of a woman, excuse me, Grace, and you too, Kate, for speaking so plainly, than that of a shrewd lawyer, and right royally sir has he earned our thanks for these proofs of his ability to sink the feelings of the lawyer into those of the man and to admit the possibility of any man rendering himself liable to a suspicion of wrong-doing by acts which may turn out to be only honourable and just mr Linley graciously permitted miss hartwell to have the last word as i believe she would have if she had continued the argument all night not that he was at all changed in opinion by her words it would plainly require something more material than words to do that. But he liked Miss Hartwell, and had since his first acquaintance with her, and think his regard for her was intensified by her warm defense of his son, even against his accusations. Kate was simply charmed by her words, and though she said very little, it showed in the approving expression of her face her great satisfaction at having so strong an ally. I thought at the time that, if pierre was desirous of securing the affection of this noble woman it would be better for him to prolong his absence a while and let this enthusiastic feeling of confidence in and regard for his honor as shown by her grow by what it fed upon as felt a consciousness that if undisturbed it must develop into a more tender passion and before long i left the house promising the young ladies to attend morning service at church with them and in the afternoon to have an interview with sloane which under the circumstances i concluded would be a comprehensive if not a strictly orthodox way of passing the sabbath end of section ten